Hello and welcome to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. On this show, we talk spirituality for the rest of us with a focus on the art of beautifying all facets of your life using heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as a means to do so. All in a straight talk manner with minimal spiritual woo-woo. Welcome to season two, where my theme is home. Along with my amazing guests, I'm going to cover all aspects of home, spiritual, physical. We're going to come at it through so many angles, how to beautify your home, how to up-level in the kitchen, how to make your space not only warm and welcoming, but something that teaches and demonstrates to your visitors and your family and yourself on a regular basis, the beauty that is all around us in this life. I promise you as the season goes on, you are going to be so inspired. It is going to change you from the inside out. So it is a gorgeous October autumn day here in upstate New York. I am in the Catskill Mountains and I have a little bit of time to myself. My husband is outside with the baby and he is breaking up all of the (laughs) twigs and branches that he has cut down and breaking them up into little pieces, trying to get our two-year-old to help him do it. (laughs) And then uh, we're going to use them, of course, for kindling for the the stove we have here, the fireplace in our living room. And it's just literally the quintessential fall day. We went for a long walk earlier today by the lake, just the right amount of bundled up. So I'm feeling pretty good and I'm enjoying the downtime to get some work done and connect with all of you. I hope you're Your autumn is giving you all the feels. (laughs) My guest in this episode is Angela Reed. I'm so excited to introduce all of you to Angela and her work. To begin with, I'll just tell you a little bit about her. Angela, also known as Parisian Farm Girl, I know you like her already, (laughs) via her online presence, is an author, farmer, wife, mother of six, and a successful entrepreneur. Angela lives on a 27-acre farm tucked deep in the woods of Door County, Wisconsin. Moments from the sapphire waters of Lake Michigan, she spends her days tending to her potager and cottage gardens and caring for her family and farm animals. In 2005, Angela created the website Parisian Farm Girl and since then has been passionate about developing joie de vivre, a joy in life, and sharing that journey with other women as they cultivate memories of domesticity, motherhood, and creativity. She is the co-host of the popular podcast Homemaker Chic, one of my favorite podcasts, by the way, and author of From France to the Farm, Blending Generational Favorites with French Flair. She's also the publisher and founder of Old World Design Society, a publication and private society for individuals who cherish the design and lifestyle elements of a bygone era and who believe in lived-in spaces, heirloom pieces, and that new is not always better. 
is she not the perfect guest for Bella Figura? <laughs> so obviously Angela is doing the work that so many of us are interested in. And I wanted to have her on as a guest for so many reasons. I mean, her connection to France, her old world tastes, her mission to elevate being a mother and homemaker to art and her knowledge of so many of the foodways of our ancestors. I could do five more episodes with Angela and maybe I will because this one just scratched the surface. And as a quick side note, I recently contributed an article for the winter issue of her Old World Design Society magazine, and I definitely look forward to contributing more in the future. So check that out for sure. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's so much more than a magazine. It, it literally is a society. It's a group of like-minded people who basically look at design and taste the way so many of us who listen to this show do. Okay, it's time to take a few moments, relax, put up our feet, and talk about wine. That's right, folks, wine. As an Italian, of course, wine is an important part of my life. And growing up, my family had a tradition where we made homemade wine, yes, in the basement. (laughs) And we actually still continue to make homemade wine. So I am so excited to be partnering with Dry Farm Wines this season where the theme is home. It is so fitting and it even for me feels downright poetic. And I'm thrilled to share with you this wine monthly subscription service that I have been in love with for several years now. All the wines are organic, they're biodynamic, They're grown on small family vineyards where they care about the land and they care about their product. I wanted to learn more about wine because it is such a big part of my culture and I know it is for so many people regardless of their respective cultures. And I really want you to take this journey with me. I am going to be talking about dry farm wines because I'm really passionate about it. And I would love for you to come along with me and really not only listen to me, but be experiencing what I'm talking about at the same time. You can use the link created especially for Bella Figura listeners. And if you use my link, you will get a bottle of wine for just a penny. When you use the link created especially for Bella Figura listeners, and that link is dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura. That's dryfarmwines.com forward slash B-E-L-L-A-F-I-G-U-R-A. Really hope you'll join me on this journey. We're going to learn a lot about some really wonderful wines and really be able to lift our glasses and celebrate home and the life within it. All right. Let's jump into this amazing conversation with the one and only Angela Reed. Angela, welcome to Bella Figura. Thank you so much, Dolores. I'm I'm, so I'm thrilled. thrilled to be I'm freaking here. out. <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> I told you before we started recording of the many reasons why I'm so excited to have this opportunity to speak with you. And as I told uh, listeners in the introduction, I listen to your podcast regularly. And I watch your videos as soon as they come out. So this is like, I'm sure other people tell you this, but it's like having 
a friend that I never met in person, you know, like being able to talk to her now. I'm always listening and now I'm actually getting to exchange with you. Um, and that's really exciting. And I know you're very busy, big family. And so I'm grateful that you gave me some time. Oh, yeah. Was, I actually got to sneak away. We did like the big family move, you know, like every four or five years, you just have to get a dumpster and confess your sins. <laughs> and so that dumpster got dropped off this morning. And I'm like, sorry, guys, I got a podcast. Have fun. When I come back, all this stuff better be gone. <laughs> better be clean. That sounds so cathartic. Hmm. Just dumping everything in there and I like, feel Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like a new woman. Yep. So before we begin and uh, get to introduce you to my listeners, I did just want to tell you how I came across your work and just quickly, you know, how much it means to me. So I, I found you on YouTube, actually, that was kind of the my um, entry drug to Angela and Parisian Farm Girl. And I was like, what is this? And it was a time uh, last summer where things were pretty crazy in the country and there was a lot of violence and the lockdowns were kind of like in and out. COVID, I live in New York. Mm. It was so stressful and scary and all of, these, all of these things. And I was following all kinds of people on social media that suddenly just, they didn't resonate with me anymore because the things that had be, or the things that had come to the forefront of my life with motherhood and being a wife and then, you know, just being in your home, I've always kind of loved being at home. I'm a huge homebody. It's embarrassing how much of a homebody I am. I, I hesitate to tell a world that loves international travel so much how much I love being home. Mm -hmm. So that's not new, but being forced to be home really gave me this kind of renewed perspective on what do I want my home to be? And so it was just like a lot of these people who were inspiring me no longer did anymore because it just was a different route. They were doing different things. And then through you and your work, I came across your very good friend, Shay Elliott, who you do the Homemaker Chic podcast with, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It's hard to talk about you and Shay without talking about one right. and the other, <laughs> which is great. So anyway, you guys, really both of your works just meant so much to me. And when I was gearing up to do season two of this show, I just thought... Number one, I want the theme to be about home because I think that's really important and all the different explorations of that. But I wanted to introduce people to you. So I think they're going to love you. you. Okay. <laughs> a little heavy, a little lengthy, but necessary. No so to begin, because this was a thing for me until I found one of your videos that actually explained it, but you, why Parisian farm girl? And I know that the title of the video was, am I French? <laughs> And I thought, is she French? So, so tell us a little bit about how that whole thing came about. Sure. It was, you know, I started blogging back in the like blogging heyday with Pioneer Woman and the Julie and Julia girl, like mm -hmm. a long time ago. OG. Blogspot.com, yeah. you know? Oh. <laughs> and I, I didn't know anything about blogging. I didn't know it was like a livelihood. I, did, I had no idea what people were doing. I just was really, it was right about when Facebook came out and all mm. I, could, I had like cousins like showing pictures of their burritos that they ate for dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with whatever this Facebook thing is. But I was a new mom. I had a three month old, my firstborn, and I wanted a way to share pictures with my aunt and my grandmas and my mom and it started Aww. that simple. And I thought, oh, wow. well, I'm going to have some fun with whatever I call this blog thing. 
And hmm, like what, how would I describe myself? I, okay, I want to be a farmer. I come from a farming heritage. I'd like to have a farm of my own someday. And I could live in Paris too, very easily. So like this, you know, yin and yang sort of a thing. And so I was like, oh, Parisian farm girl. And I made it, you know, I named it, made it. And then I sat bolt upright in bed one night and thought, oh my gosh, I should spell it the way the French do. Mm. Like a feminine, feminine version of Persian, which has been just a thorn in my side <laughs> since then because nobody knows how to spell it. It's attached okay. to my email address. It's just a disaster, but I love that. Oh, yeah. The things you don't Beautiful. think about down the, ro- uh, down the road that Branding people are going to have to spray. <laughs> I get exactly. that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every time you know, I'm on the phone with technical support or something, could we have your email? I'm like, oh, <laughs> we go. Ready? It's like 75 characters yeah. long. So yeah. I mean, it works, but in those technical terms, it probably is a headache. Right. For sure. Yeah. So that's how the name came about. And it, it really does just sum it up. I remember the first time I went to Paris, we came in, you know, on the RER and you're underground. You haven't seen anything yet. So you've come from Charles de Gaulle and you're underground and you come up the stairs and voila, you're in Paris. And it just, I was, I've never been. So I'm, uh, oh my gosh, you just, you don't see anything until you come up from underground. If that's the way you choose to get into the city, you know, not by taxi or whatever. And it just, everybody, you know, they look, very nice. Everybody was très chic and they, mm-hmm. they're walking around and there's art hung on the the fence of the Luxembourg Gardens and they're out on a Sunday stroll admiring the art. I thought, oh, I, I could do this. Like, yeah, I'm super comfortable here. This is amazing. But then I can, <laughs> you know, go get all scummy and dirty. And that was the same year that I learned to drive a combine. So mm, multifaceted. His, yeah. His last year of farming. So yeah, just that. But there is, there is the, um, there is the French countryside, which I don't know how how much time you've spent there, if if any, but I'm Mm -hmm. assuming, you know, that that's always kind of like how I think of you is I know it's Parisian, but I put, I put you kind of in the French countryside. Yeah. You still have to be chic. It's especially, you know, the further and further I kept moving away from the city. So, right. Yes. So you, you're, you know, a big theme of this show, obviously is the tradition of living beautifully. So in my Italian culture, we have a saying, which is the the namesake of this show called Bella Figura. And growing up, it was uh, used often moralistically. You know, you, your parents would say to you, Nufa brutta figura. So don't go out there and, and, and be ugly. You know, don't go out there mm-hmm. and do something ugly. You always wanted to put, be, uh, be presentable. If you were going to somebody's home, Bella figura is bringing a cake or bringing, right? Bringing wine. You know, it's, it's the, it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to live. And bruta figura, right? Is the wrong way. It's Bella and bruta. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. the basic idea here. And when I started this show, I just loved the idea of exploring ways to beautiful, beautify different aspects of our life, you know, spiritually, emotionally, and of course, physically. And that has to do with what we eat and our homes, et cetera. And this is a really big part of what you do. And we will talk about in a little bit, the old world design society, which is a new magazine slash movement, even I would say (laughs) (laughs) that you've begun, which is, which is so exciting. And I am a member and I will link to that and the show notes for sure, but we'll explore that more. And 
I love this part of what you do. It's very, you have a big family. You're the mother of six, right? I have that right. Six. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, You're a wife. You're a farmer. You're a working mother with your own Mm -hmm. social platform, but you really put a lot of work into your home as well as yourself and making sure that your home is beautiful. So just wanted to explore that a little bit and maybe start with how how you came to the aesthetic that you have and was it, did it evolve? Was this like, did you always love antiques? Was it always old worldy? Old so, worldy. Is that a thing? Can I say that? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mentioned my grandparents, you know, they farmed a thousand acres, had a big farmhouse. My grandpa was born in the farmhouse. His grandfather built the barn. My mom grew up going to farm auctions with her dad on the weekends. Mm. And they would bring home antiques, you know, along with farm implements and things like that. But she was surrounded by older things and that that hustle of making the bid and, you know, that adrenaline. And then I subsequently grew up going garage sailing on Friday afternoons. My mom looking for that staple gunned paper plate to the telephone yeah. pole. You know, <laughs> yeah, like sail. Yeah. Right, right. We sail have like here. Yeah. Like, look. All the signs need to match. If I'm trying to find your sale, don't do one on yellow, yellow neon cardboard. And then another's a paper plate. Like trailheads leading the way. Yeah. (laughs) And we would go to the antique mall after church on Sundays. And this was in the, this was before Martha Stewart. This was like in the Mary Emerling heyday. So if you have any older listeners that are listening, maybe they, it was like the big Americana country movement. And my mom did it really good. Like okay. not cross-stitched teddy bears on pillows. Like she was legit colonial, looked really mm, sharp. So yeah. I was raised around, you know, nothing extravagant, a quilt, a quilt draped over the couch, a trunk coffee table, but just, I had an, an antique bed, an antique dresser. I was always raised around that. I see. And then as a young bride, you know, it's always sort of like necessity is the mother of invention. We had no money. So I would go garage sailing and I would try to find pretty things to make our our house, what I felt was beautiful. And then, you know, my first trip to France and then second and then third. And I started really wanting to learn more about French antiques. And that sort of led to being exposed to other European cultures and their style. So I then fell in love with, you know, like a Swedish Gustavian, which is sort of the parallel to Versailles, mm. similar time mm. in history. And that's where you have like a Versailles look, but it's all blues and grays and cream, Hmm. beautiful and cloudy and ethereal. Yes. Gorgeous. Uh, The Tuscan style, which is very, you know, similar, has similarities to the Provencal. And then I'm pretty hardcore Anglophile as well. I was raised on the royal family. Raised on the royal family. I love that. Yep. I got up (laughs) when I was very little to watch Princess Diana's wedding and I would write her letters as a child. I actually oh, met her aw. before she passed away. Really? So that's fun. And so then started exploring like um, the British style as well, and specifically the British country house, because I yes. felt like that was a real good family friendly sort of a look. So it's just kind of snowballing, lived in snowballing, building. Yeah. So as you were speaking, I just thought about you know, you're, you're talking about your mother and what an influence she was and uh, your home life really influenced you. And I was thinking that I think one of the reasons I was so attracted to your work is because for me as, as 
newly married or semi-newly married with a, a baby. I had I'd grown up in a home where my mother was a very much what you would call a homemaker, even though, like you, she worked, right? She worked mm-hmm. at the local hospital, but she cooked all the time. She baked all the time. She cared about the house being clean. You know, we just, it was just always a warm, clean, comfy, loving home. My mother is, um, she came to America uh, after she got married when she was about 19. She was very poor in Southern Italy. So she has the kind of, <laughs> she's gotten better over the years with me and my sister kind of influencing, but her style and mine are very different. Let's just put it that way. So I think when I came across your work, it was this kind of, oh, this is how I can do it. This is how I can take that influence that I grew up with, this thing that I love, which is home, right? Beautifying my home, taking care of my home, but make it mine. You know, it just kind of clicked for some reason, you know? So it's almost like you can take this influence of your upbringing. I mean, I talk about this a lot and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be like an exact replica. Right. You know what I mean? You just take that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give you an example, this is just funny because it literally just happened. I had a bunch of, I brought over a bunch of pots, a bunch of terracotta pots, and I left them in the backyard because I'm like, let's just leave them in the backyard. So in in time, they'll look old. And then I came back to her house and they were on her windowsill, spray painted the most obnoxious silver. Yeah. <laughs> And I was oh, like, mom. You're going for moss, mom, moss. I was like, this is the difference. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. She's influenced me, right? We're both potting things. Mm-hmm. We, right. That's the flowers, the plants, the gardening. She gave that to me, but she does it that way. And I'm going to do it this way. So I, I think I love that idea of the evolution of a style. And I guess your style will probably, I mean, would keep evolving. Yeah, I'm really, I am really exploring a more British style right now. I have this, I have a room in our house that I had sort of pillaged to make other rooms look good. So it was sort of naked. And I've just sort of been stumbling upon these pieces that I really like. I didn't really know what I was going to do with them. And I ended up putting them all together and thought, oh my, you got a, you got a very British thing going on here. Mm. So I'm just really playing with it, you know, not completely attached to it the walls aren't painted yet it's like one of the last rooms in the house we really haven't done anything to I think I saw you post that on Instagram really fun to just explore yeah Yeah, it was that one I posted Mm -hmm. yeah so for me I think I think this is important to let people know it's okay to change it's okay to morph your style so my husband and I had this very kind of clean almost you know that Swedish and then the mid-century modern look but I always had, I think I said, may have mentioned this to you in an email. I always had this attachment to my kind of old world upbringing that to not get too far off on a tangent gets sifted out of you as you assimilate. Mm-hmm. So what I have found and, and also read about is kind of one of the first things people will get rid of the next generation after the immigrant generation when they come to the country is the religious attachments. Because they are almost so indicative of the old world. You know, they're so, quote unquote, backwards. Mm-hmm. That has to kind of be the first thing to go. So I'm the youngest of four. And I'm the only one you see. I mean, I, I wear a lot of gold. I wear a lot of 
religious gold. I wear, I mean, I'm aware of the ethnic signaling of that. None of my siblings do that. I will have pictures of, I will have statues of the Virgin Mary around. None of my siblings do things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but recently, more recently, I've been just braver about putting those things out. So I, and that was just like, kind of like tiptoeing and then realizing I love this look. I love the big gold frame. I love the big ornate mirror, the heavy mirror that looks like it came from France, you know, that it's just this, and it looks like it's been around forever. So we just renovated a house in upstate New York. And (laughs) it was almost like the day my husband put the last, the last nail in of this kind of complete gut job. I was like, Oh, this clean look. This has this this can't be like we can't keep it like this. <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, this is not, <laughs> this is not my taste anymore. It's so cold. Mm. And what I realized is kind of being brave and just trusting myself. And I keep finding all these great pieces at antique stores, and I'm just adding them in. And it's just this beautiful look now, the two together. So it is really clean. It is really mid-century modern, mm-hmm. but then it has this, at every turn, this just rich, antique old worldy look. You know, that, you know, I've mentioned the the British country house. That's, you know, state been there forever. And so yeah. you have things from six generations past mixed with whoever's inherited the home and objects and furniture stylings that are important to them. You look at homes in France. I don't know what it's like in Italy, but in France, they have they have antiques, you know, maybe not as cluttered of a look as as the English look, but really nice pieces that that they either appreciate because they very much appreciate art or have been passed down from generation to generation. And there's tons of IKEA right, mixed in with right, that, just right. out of pragmatism and, and and the need for it. It's everywhere. I mean, people don't think realize they they have it really in their mind, like oh, French style should look like. What Betty Lou Phillips or some real specific and over the top and but actually it's just all eclectic. Yes, just very eclectic. Yeah, and I like it doesn't have to be a showroom that you walk into with the label, you know, like French country and everything has right. to be under that label. And I matchy, think that matchy and perfect. It, exactly. And, yeah. I think that comes with that's why I mentioned the word brave. I mean, you know, brave in a small context, but just trusting yourself and having confidence that you have an eye for this. It's, it's your eye. It's what you, what you like and what you see. And and surrounding yourself with things that you love is very important. And nobody can tell you that you shouldn't love that. Exactly. You shouldn't have that out. I mean, that was one of the things that I, that was kind of like something really that was first became important to me when I was a first, you know, new homeowner was like, oh, I'm not going to put these things away. I have like little things that were my great grandmothers or Mm. whatever. I'm not going to pack them up. I'll just put them here, put them there. For me being, I have a lot of family treasures in the house. And for me being surrounded by them, it it just helps me feel connected. Yes. We have a very like forward focused culture. We just want to look forward, look forward. And I think there's something really very special about looking back and at least acknowledging where the people that you come from. Come yes. From. Yes. Connection. Well, you're speaking to the right audience on that note, because it's definitely a big, a big part of why people listen to this show. It's this, this idea that you want, you want to live with the past in a way, you know, and make it and make it not the past. <laughs> yeah. And so, you it's know, I, 
yeah, keep it current. Keep it current. Yeah. Exactly. So those those items around your home are like this constant connect to your ancestors. So if you have like I have a uh, which I've posted in the past. I mean, it's been a long time, but I have um, my maternal grandmother is uh, very poor. And the only thing I have of hers is a bridal nightgown. And it's this very harsh, almost like it almost feels like like a potato sack. Potato sack, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's Linnet just so and- it's, <laughs> yeah. it like start like it didn't move when I picked it up. And <laughs> yeah. uh but it was embroidered. I'm not positive if she embroidered it or it would have been my great grandmother, which is incredible to me if that's the case, with her well, and I'm named after her, so it has her initials in it. And I mean, I'm not gonna wear it it's too big to kind of just hang on the wall. So I just folded it into a shadow box with, is that the word shadow box? Those boxes? Yeah. Okay. And printed out a photo and, and I just kind of put them like together and I, and I have it hung up on the wall and just, you could just do something simple like that, but it's so powerful. And her spirits there. The statue behind me, the big one. Yes, I can. Yeah. She's actually wearing my grandmother's bridal veil. Oh, let's see that. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely resonates with our listeners. So these antiques don't always have to be things that you, A, you spend a fortune on. You can go to, you can go to flea markets, thrift stores, and, or they can be family heirlooms and you're, you're like currently the generation entrusted with taking care of them. It's kind of how exactly. I see it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think your old world design society is really helping people to do this and to see it. I hope so. Yeah, no, definitely. So before we jump into that, I did want to just establish a little bit for for my listeners how much you really are kind of reimagining, at least for people like me, reimagining motherhood and an approach to motherhood. I recently I recently did a Mother's Day post about some of the that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I loved your comment. Thankfully, I actually got a lot of great feedback. I mean, like a lot of positive feedback of people who felt very similarly. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because a friend of mine who doesn't feel similarly was like, you know, it was beautiful, but she, it was interesting because she's been texting me the past few days saying that she almost, her life has been the opposite, right? Where she almost felt like she had to get married. She had to have babies. And if she could do it all over again, she wouldn't. And I thought, well, that's, so interesting because I just can't write that post. That's just not my experience. Mm-hmm. Mine has been the opposite, which is I very much bought into this American ethos of quote unquote freedom, which doesn't really ever mean being free. It just means no responsibility. I can do what I want when I want, mm-hmm. have what I want now. I don't have to sacrifice for anything or for anyone. And I really, I tried to be careful about saying things like I wasted time, but I feel like I wasted time. You know, I, I've had my son older, I got married older and I'm grateful for those things. But when you fall in love with a husband and children, your child, (laughs) you, all you wish is that you would have more time with them, Mm -hmm. not less. Right. So, I mean, if I could get anything, it would be and rewind 10 years and have started this all 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. With that said, I think some of that stigma 
is this idea of motherhood as something that is crippling and going to end your life. It's going to take everything you have. You're going to be miserable. You're never going to speak to adults again. You're never going to do anything creative again. You just, your life is over. That's really the vibe that you get. Your creativity is over. And when I came across you and again, your, your good friend, Shay, Shay Elliott, I thought this is so what I need. This model of motherhood as something like motherhood for you is, is the art form. I love it. I just love it. You know, you're going to have people like your friend that I think are, I, I have to believe are the exception Mm. and that's okay. But I know there are women out there that are begging for permission to love being a mother Mm. and love being a homemaker. They just want someone to say, you actually can enjoy this. Did you Mm. know that? We we live in a culture that just glorifies this hot mess syndrome. Mm. And I remember once seeing my dad after having my second child and my hair was done. I had a nice outfit. We were meeting for lunch. My kids were well-behaved at the moment. And <laughs> he, he actually said, I hadn't seen him in some time. He's like, well, this is not what I expected. Mm. I expected you to be like a mess, a, a disaster. Yeah. Basically. Right. Small children under three and a mess. And I, I feel like that's sort of, we talked about this even on our show the other day, like, we sort of have this weird obsession and value with people that are busy. It's like a badge of honor. People that are stressed out when you're oh, stressed yes. because you're, you're, you're successful. Yeah, so you're important. You're really good. You're important. Mm-hmm. And then it's just all these like negative associations and, and that being a mom or a homemaker equals being a hot mess. When I, I have my hot mess days, don't get me wrong. Right. But sure. it is an art form and it is, it's, I think it's glamorous. Yeah, I love I it. I think it is a glamorous, fabulous thing to be at home and be creating future adults. Hello, we're all looking at the world going, yeah, we really don't like what we see. <laughs> Whatever all. do you mean, Angela? <laughs> so why wouldn't we put value on making right. it better? Not going out and making it better. I don't really know how effective that is. Yep. And that's controversial. I know. But making it better from the kitchen table mm-hmm. on out. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just think there's there's a beautiful, glamorous thing to be able to get up in the morning and create a meal for someone to express yourself creatively, put on your jewelry, put on your red lips, put on a decent outfit, take care of your family, create a beautiful environment. This is my museum. This is like my show. This is my canvas. Every day I get to go, what do I want my art to look like today? And that's why on our show, we call it the art of homemaking. Right. And, and We've just like poo-pooed it. Like it's this less than punishment. Like it's like. That's exactly right. Yep. You're resigned. You get stuck doing Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of this, this honor. But you know, there's a whole, there's so many conversations there about self-idolatry and serving others and the beauty and serving. I mean, that's a whole lot of worms. It is a whole lot of worms. And I think that the the reason I mentioned my friend was because it was, it was something I actually hadn't even thought about when I wrote that and posted it. And I thought, oh, that's a whole lot of worms people could have thrown at me if they wanted to. And I and I just would have said, you write that post. It's not, <laughs> it's not yeah. my experience. It's just not what happened. But, you know, some of the things that you talk about often is getting up in the morning, you know, even if you're home all day and
and getting dressed. So this is not, you don't live your life in your ripped sweatpants, taking, you know, cleaning your house, being miserable you about it. You don't like it. Who right. wants to right. be in like ripped sweatpants right. in their husband's flannel shirt? Who right. would like that? Exactly. Right. It's your mentality. It's not, yeah. it's not Bella figura. <laughs> Right. You know, it the world, <laughs> right. The world may not be seeing you, but is that all that matters? No, like how right. you feel and how your husband sees you and how your children see you. And, you know, it's, and this is not a misogynistic thing. You, you know, you would hope that even your husband would kind of see himself and his self-care the same way. You're representing yourself every day. And you guys talk about, you know, putting a little bit of makeup on every morning, getting dressed, putting your apron on, and just really loving it, which I, I'm, as I'm talking, because I've bought this hook, line and sinker, I love it. <laughs> I'm thinking there's, there's probably somebody listening Like these two are insane because yeah. it's been so cast as drudgery as like, and so what, what is freeing now ordering in going out? I love doing those things, not hating on them. Right. Right. But it's like, oh, I have so much. I have so many more important things to do mm-hmm. than cook for my family. That's kind of the mentality. I don't have the quote in front of me. I need to just like pin it because I reference it all the time. We talk <laughs> about it all the time on the show, but there's Chesterton has a quote, a passage about the homemaker, not having the pressure to be good at just one thing. And this is not a, on the show, we always talk about like we're all homemakers. So whether you're a career woman and you mm. come home and then make dinner, right? Or single with no children, or married with no children, you're still a homemaker. I'm not talking about like big families or anything like that. But when it comes to the art of homemaking, we get to dabble in so many different things without the pressure to make money from them or the pressure to excel at them. I have this thing you've probably seen it on YouTube about celebrating just being an amateur. Mm, mm. Like let's mm-hmm. just stop already with like everyone having to be an expert and everyone having to take something, everything being epic and going all the way. What about just being an amateur? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good in the kitchen. I can I like people. that. Nobody's dying on my watch. Yeah. You know, <laughs> starving on my watch. But also too, looking at homemaking like it is a job, God forbid. You know, think about like if you got like a really swanky job on Madison Avenue and you went in with your sweatpants and your husband's flannel shirt and no one trained you right you were just there and you had to go you had to do it day in and day out you didn't know what the heck you were doing year after year after year who would love that right right so well put so so looking at homemaking like okay what are my responsibilities keeping people alive (laughs) maybe learning a little like i don't know natural medicine so i can keep people healthy Mm -hmm. dress a minor wound i don't know bake a loaf of bread, clean, really good. Like learn how to clean, like looking at it very pragmatically, like, and acknowledging here's a few areas I actually need to scale up in if I'm going to enjoy this for the next 20 yeah, years. Yeah, that's how long it be. I love that. Here's a couple of areas I need to scale up in. I think for me that happened with bread baking. I just want to learn this. And I'm definitely still an amateur, although I'm so much better at it than Mm -hmm. I was when I started, but I just thought, why don't I know how to do this? Well, this is crazy. And I I think you probably know this way better than I do, because I'm sure with your platform, you experienced it, but 
there's like a renaissance of home life for a window at least when mm-hmm. the lockdowns happened and we weren't allowed yeah. to leave our houses and couldn't go out to eat where you know you couldn't buy flour if you wanted it because everybody was like, Oh, home. Hey, (laughs) what a concept. (laughs) I'm going to bake and I'm going to do this. And that's great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, being sarcastic anyway. I'm being serious, Mm -hmm. you know, and people were buying chickens and things like that. So I don't know how many people still have those chickens, but I like, I like where their heads were at. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you have, you know, you have to take care of them. (laughs) Yes. So, um, turns out they're messy. (laughs) Yeah. And they need a lot of attention. I'm assuming I don't have any, I did grow up with them, but I don't have any of my own now. So you would know this renaissance of a home more, but I think what woke people up was what I grew up with. I was fortunate enough to be raised that way. We were raised to be self-sufficient. We were raised, like my brothers were taught to build things and Mm -hmm. fix things. And they, they might wear suits and ties to work, but on the weekends, if they have to retile a kitchen floor, they can do it. If they need to, whatever it is around the house, they don't have to hire somebody every time, even if they can afford to, they just do it because they were Mm -hmm. taught that. And I was taught things like that. I'm, I'm really in love with now all renewed, which is, you know, the cooking, the baking, the homemaking. And in those years where I was, you know, rebellious and, and kind of had a a disdain for those things, they seemed too homely, too small, too small Mm -hmm. is the word. Mm -hmm. And now to me, they seem like such, I don't know, it's like entry way to learning so much of our worlds. I mean, you, and then it gets so big. And it gets so it big. Gets so big. You can't even keep up with it. It's so true. It's I like, totally oh, get I could that. Do this, and then I could learn this. And oh my gosh, I could make a skirt. And you know, <laughs> you just start a hundred percent. Yep. I totally yeah. get that. I have, you know, then I, I have still, I'm like, I will do this one day. Oh my forgetting what it's called right now. It's not wood blocking. It's like the non the non-wood version of, you know, you carve out something and you you stamp it on a tea towel or you stamp it. I'm forgetting okay. the name for it right now I'm blanking Mm -hmm. and I have those materials I'm like I'm gonna make tea towels with my own designs on them and it started with the bread and then I now I make my own beeswax candles and I love doing that and you feel so accomplished Mm -hmm. and you're thinking why did I ever think this was small it's so big it's it's your metal like testing your metal against the world Mm -hmm. And circling back to this grit, it takes takes grit, grit. takes grit. That's a great way to put it. And circling back to the self-sufficiency that I think people, you know, a light bulb went off that this world that we live in could just stop. Mm -hmm. And you know, who's not going to starve everybody living in Angela's house (laughs) (laughs) because you, you know how to do this. You know how to do what our ancestors had to do but you're up-leveling it. And this is why it's so exciting. You're taking this very ancient human practices, these ancient human practices, and you're just taking them to an artful level. It's beautiful. No, thanks. So, so with that said, you, I also want people to know you are a farmer, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you, ha- you are a gardener and you homeschool. I'm a gardener. 
<laughs> you do a lot. It's really impressive how much you do, but I think you have a passion for it. And that's kind of what keeps you going. But yeah. when, when did you start? Like, where did the farming come in? That was because you didn't grow, you grew up with your grandparents having a farm. So did you always know you wanted to do that? No, no okay. I loved being there. It's my favorite place in the entire world. So special, but I didn't know. I had a small garden when we first got married and would go to my grandmother's house and divide her perennials and bring them home and mm. just loved it. And when I was expecting my first child, I remember the midwife saying to me, well, do you grow any vegetables? I was like, no. <laughs> I'm a flower gardener, duh. And she just said, well, if I can't eat it, I don't want to grow it. Mm. And I just thought to myself, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But as usual, what usually happens with us, somebody says something to us that kind of rubs us the wrong way. And then we walk away sort of ruminating on it. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe she has something there, you know? And so then when my son was about a year and a half old, I dug, I always say, I dug my first potager. A potager is a French kitchen garden and it's done with a little bit more sp style than just your row garden, right. you know, your Peter Rabbit, Mr. McGregor straight row garden. And <clears throat> I realized that oh, this is not enough. This is rather addicting. This whole like go out to your backyard and get dinner yeah, and bring it inside. This is uh, very empowering. Like I'm getting sort of a rush here. This is cool. <laughs> and then I just used to, I just would say, hey, we need a farm. Oh my goodness. We need a farm. This is not, I love my house, but we need space. And, and I'm not an, well, I am now, but I was not an animal person. We actually got illegal chickens and hid them in our garage. Oh, wow. Until the neighbors <laughs> turned us in, but it was just like, you know, like a gateway drug kind of a thing. I hear like chickens are, that's what I hear people say that yeah. chickens are kind of like the gateway animal. And the next thing you know, you have a goat and then a cow. Yeah, goats are annoying, but yes. You <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happens. So you, you just, you just start like the self again, like the self-reliance of it. Yeah, it started getting like over the winter, then I would start watching YouTube videos. And I just this whole self reliant and I'm, you know, self reliance is a very generous expression, because it hardly exists these days, but mm. what we all need, especially to feed our animals and things like that. But mm. still this, oh, skill set. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you're telling me I could learn how to butcher a chicken? Like I, me, who likes high heels and red lipstick. Right, right. <laughs> And then I thought, well, yeah, your great grandma did it. Your grandma did it. You're capable. I'm a thinking adult. I can do that. You know, it's just like amazing. It just yeah. snowballs and it is super empowering and it's just expanding your repertoire and it's life. Life. I love learning new things. Yeah. And why not? Yeah. Learn how to take care of yourself. That's evident that, you, that you, the life you lead comes from loving to learn new things. And the more I think that you learn new things, the more you realize, like, oh, I can do that. Right. Like we were saying before, you know, I can do that. But I do think and there's a whole lot of disasters that happen. I mean, there was a, it's important to say, a lot yeah, of bread thrown in the garbage and a whole lot of mutilated yeah. chickens that didn't look so well on a platter. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. You, even my mother, who's been baking for decades, will make something and she'll be like, ah, I don't know. And you know, it ends up in the garbage. That's it. I you just know, you made just... a loaf two days ago, and my daughter's like, "You realize it's raw in the middle." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how many loaves have you made? 
Right. You know, it's part of it's part of the game. So I think the farming aspect is is very interesting to me. And I'm I think it'll appeal to a lot of my listeners because it is very traditional. It's very much the work of our ancestors. And we've moved away from it so dramatically that I think it's easy to it's easy to think that the way we eat and the way we purchase food now is normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy. You know, <laughs> it's, another it's not. I really pursued it. I felt, and it, maybe it's appropriate, maybe it's not, but with children, with having children and looking at the world, I felt like a real responsibility. And my husband and I talked about this all the time. Like, even if I don't need to know how to butcher a chicken or butcher mm -hmm. a pig, maybe my grandchildren will need to, need to know how. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. I did. I just got chills. Real, that was a real catalyst yeah. for it. Like, wow. This might be ridiculous. This might be a very expensive hobby, a very time consuming hobby, messy, but maybe this is a skill set we need to like inject back into the family timeline. I get that. I really do. Yeah. yeah. And I think the last year that we just lived through may have thrown up that flag for a lot of people, whether mm -hmm. they're sticking with it or not now. But I, I think it reminded you the modern world as we know it it's not a given. It's not, it's not a guarantee. It's yeah. not a guarantee. And yeah. I, I remember talking about this with a lot of my friends saying, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on right now? Right. And, and some of, you know, having conversations about the fact that we, we have grown up in a time that just happened to be relatively at, here in America, relatively affluent, relatively peaceful in terms of, you know, you you don't have British soldiers knocking down your, your front door and mm -hmm. dragging people out, at least not in this country. And um, everything is at our fingertips. And we just thought, oh, well, this is life now. We'll always have money. We'll always have that easy access. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, for me, definitely. And I, I have a feeling for a lot of my listeners that I, that reminder, the reminder that that is fragile as if I had needed it was, uh, was big this year. And shame on us for like, not realizing that how, long, yes. like, how far removed from like world war two and all um, that chaos and post-war are we, we're not that far removed from that yep. shame on us for being so self-absorbed and uh, just technology goggles that we don't, that we disconnected that fast mm, from that concept. So well said. This is very fragile. This is temporary. The carpet could get yanked out at any minute. So well said. And I'll, and I'll take this a little step further and say, confess in my own way that, I mean, I love history. I've always loved studying history and reading about it. And I went through, you'll appreciate this. I went through a period where I really loved reading about the, the Parisian Bohemians in world work during world war II, all the artists and writers. And um, I remember I would just read about this and think, Oh God, what misery, you know, what, what that must have been like to be living your life, going about your life, your art, and suddenly poof, war breaks out and not wars. Like we have been fighting where our lives don't even change here, except mm -hmm. if you're the parent right. or the sibling right. of yeah, a soldier, detachment. so detached, yeah. right. But you know, blitz lights out, get in the bunker, people being dragged away war. and. I think that I actually had the hubris of thinking, oh, that's that kind of thing's done. I mean, 
isn't that amazing that 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 kind of thing is done? And then the unrest this summer, I live in New York, not far from the city. I have an office in the city. Just reminded me that we have not come very far. I mean, I'm not comparing what happened this summer to World War II, but what I'm saying is you realize very quickly that nobody's coming to save you. Right. On so many levels. There is, there's nobody but you and your family and you better take care of them. And I, and I think, right. And I think, um, you know, the, the work that you're doing is, is a reminder of that and a, and a hearkening back to that, you know, our ancestors knew that who was, who was going to bring them food if they didn't grow it, you know, who was going to bring them meat? I mean, if they didn't, if they didn't take care of it themselves. So it's, it's beautiful stuff. I love that you said that you weren't an animal person and now you have all these animals because I sometimes think like I, I tell, oh. I'm not a dog person. So like I, I always lose like half an audience when I say I'm not a dog. Just person. whispered it into the mic. <laughs> my husband, my husband who is a dog person, he's like, you don't, don't tell people that. I know. I know. They just people are like serious it. about their dogs. They're serious. It's okay. Well, I'm okay. Look, I'm allergic to them. So that's like, big deal but no I I, wasn't, <laughs> I can I ta- I'm actually much more tolerant than I used to be uh just emotionally yes but well for- I have a theory that I don't dislike dogs as much as I dislike their owners oh. and I think that's what it is because every time I'm around a well-trained dog mm-hmm. I can love that dog more yes I think so it's almost like it's almost the same idea as if you don't discipline your child. No one's going to want to be around your child if if you're, you know, that child has no boundaries and knows, right? right, And doesn't have good manners. It's the same thing with dogs. Like, just don't bring that dog. I I totally feel that. Like, I've got on white trousers. I didn't want you to jump up on that. And then the dog owner's smiling. Isn't he cute? I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I totally resonate with that. Okay. Anywho, but I mean, like I gathered my first <laughs> eggs with gloves on. That's how Prissy I, I say my husband and I are talk often about moving into that upstate house. We just renovated. Mm. That wasn't the original plan, Okay, but kind of on the heels of everything I've been saying, the way life is going, et cetera. We were on six acres on a mountain. It's beautiful. It's private. Mm. All these reasons. And we talk about getting some chickens, you know, that whole thing. And then I think to myself, I had a dream a few weeks ago. That's what I was, where I was going with this, where I had, a, there was like a tiny goat staring at me and then the goat got bigger and I was freaked out by it. And I said to myself, oh, you can't even look at this animal, but you want, you want to get them. And it made me like, I woke up and I thought, oh man, like, <laughs> like oh man, is that true about me? Like, you know, you and Shay on the podcast talk about you know, butchering your animals, going out and finding them killed. Mm-hmm. So how did you overcome that? Because I think that that's good advice for me. Ask him for a friend. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was, you know, again, it had a lot to do with my kids. So mm. I, I, there's the part of that where I thought like, well, maybe my grandkids will need these skills. And then I was looking, talk about like looking at other, not liking other people's dogs whole lot of other people's children that I really didn't like. I didn't really <laughs> like what I was seeing. Okay. As a young mom, I thought this is, this might not be so great. What can I do? Like to instill responsibility kind of 
push them. Oh, I see. Okay. And so I thought, well, farm chores. Farm chores will do it. Farm chores for the win. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And have you found that that's true? Like, have you found that it's... Yeah, I think it really helps. You know, now I've got like now a couple of the older ones. My eldest is like, I don't like animals. I don't (laughs) want animals. But then he'll go out there and love on them. So I know he's being... A rebellious teenager. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It could be worse. (laughs) Could be worse. That's the worst he does. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, a lot does change when you have kids. You you do and people say that it's a cliche, but your perspective, you know, you have to you have to think about them now. Mm-hmm. And what kind of people are they gonna be? And what kind of experience are they gonna have? And I think for my husband and I, when we when we talk about moving up there, it's looking actually, you know, you're right now that I'm thinking about it, it's looking at other kids <laughs> and saying <laughs> I'm going to lose half my audience now too. I'm right, talking about right. not liking dogs and not liking kids. No, you know, and, and saying, is that what I want for my child? Do I want him indoors all the time on the computer playing video games? Do, you know, do I want him limited in his adventure and his ruggedness? And I think I want him to be more like the men I was raised around who were yeah. right. Who were brave and adventurous mm-hmm. and could build things and would take on a project and, and so and we, it's really easy to think that that just happens naturally. Like a man just grows up to be like that. And, but like, we're all our first, all of us have the first inclination for laziness. Mm. Like that's our natural response. That's our default. Wow. So to expose your yeah. kids to a situation where they can't have the easy way out or there's hard work involved because it's like the animus Amazonification of everything. Everything's just instant gratification. Like, for me, I, and I can be wrong, but I just thought for us, like, where else, how else am I going to do this besides having a farm? How else am I going to expose them to hard work and chores and lots of responsibility and life and death and all these things? That was just my, that was the best answer I could come up with. Wow. It really makes sense. Oh, I just saw all my future. It's like my hand up on animals. <laughs> birthing. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is what's going to happen. And I'm going to be like, Angela, (laughs) raising you for inspiring me. No, just kidding. I I think you make a good point because aside from perhaps cutting the lawn and washing the dishes, you know, it's so easy. Yeah, it, it is. It's our lives outside of a lifestyle like that are so efficient, quote unquote. And and modernize, you're right, that there isn't really much, you don't have to sit, be like, son, go out there and cut some logs for the fire. Yeah. I mean, think about you and I, we have to seek out challenge. We have to work out. We have to set goals. We have to seek out hard things. Yes. You're so right. If that's right. the way we want to shape ourselves, we have to find it because it's not, otherwise it's just not there. That is a very deep thought that I I don't think I've thought of it that way before, that that's what it is. And if I may, for a second, it might be why so many of us are so miserable. Yeah. I mean, cause we're, we're created to work. We're created to work. Yeah. We're created I, to create and to work. Just had this, another post I did. I'm like, I just had this conversation somewhere and it was on Instagram that I was writing about, oh, I was up in the middle of the night the night before I couldn't sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking about my ancestors and my family. And I said something like at the end, why did they seem so heroically human? And we seem 
part human, part something else. Okay. And I, and then so many of the comments, people, it resonated with them because they were saying that it's, it's those things, it's technology, it's everything too easy. And I, in my kind of commenting back and forth with people, I realized, yeah, maybe it's not supposed to be this easy. I know that that's a weird concept, Mm -hmm. but maybe we're just not wired for this. And so things are going haywire Mm -hmm. because of it. Maybe. We need some hard work and some difficulty to shape us. Mm-hmm. So you've been, we've been speaking for an hour and I you know you need to get back to your life. I wanted to ask you about tons of other things. I wanted to ask you about homeschooling and some more about antiques as a way to beautify our lives. But in the interest of time, I do want to talk about the old world design society. And um, if you could just start with telling me how you came to this project, because I really want everyone to check it, check it out. And I think this is a terrific audience for that. Okay. Well, like last year, like everyone else, I had some come to Jesus moments. About, <laughs> okay, what do I want to, what do I want to put my hand to? Yeah. What do I want to create? How do I want to spend my time? And yeah, I am a firm believer in making everything beautiful. And I think a lot of beauty is lost in the digital realm. We sit on, well, I don't, but we, we, yeah, the collective on mm-hmm. Pinterest and we, we heart images and we, gather images and we never do anything with them. We, we scroll Instagram and just sort of like mindlessly appreciate things. But I felt like a, there was some beauty as far as changing the home that the look of the home was just being lost. Like most people, they make their pin boards and then they never do anything with it. They're so inspired. Oh, that picture is so pretty. Boop. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's as far as it goes. Right. So I wanted to go old school. I wanted to create a print magazine, not one full of pharmaceutical ads, (laughs) not one, you know, I wanted to create like something really beautiful that people could hold where the paper felt good and the images were big and inspiring and they could collect them. And you have that, there's people that loved that old magazine, Victoria. They still talk about the old Victoria issues. And there's a Danish, I think it's a Danish magazine called Jean Dark Living. That's very beautiful. You know, there's very few publications that are just really like lush and heavy photography and just about what they're about. And so I wanted to create like an old school magazine. And then I wanted to go further because of what was happening last year, like you've referenced, referenced all this angst and fighting and yes, vision. Right. I thought, well, what about people that just want to talk about beautiful things? Like, can we just put them all together in a I room? I really get that. Mm-hmm. Can we just give them a space place to, a, a safe place to only care about beautiful things and not be judged for it? Like, we're not here to talk about anything else. Just, yeah, it's not frivolous. We're just going to talk about beautiful things. Yeah. And so I decided to make, I decided to call it a society. It sounds a little bit exclusive. Sounds a little bit fancy. I love it. And I thought it was brilliant when you first announced yeah, it. I was like, that is a so- great title. We've got the magazine, we've got print or digital, depending on what's best for people's budget. And we're on Facebook right now. I'm not a big Facebook person, as I said, but we have a private group on Facebook and it is a riot. Eventually, we, as the company grows, we will move it to its own platform on the website, mm. its own forum rather. I like that. Um, but giving people a place to show off their treasures if they, 
if they followed the paper plate signs, you know, and found something beautiful <laughs> at a garage sale to share it with other people that would be excited about that. And so much style falls under the old world umbrella. So you have really rustic thatched cottage look, you know, from the UK. And then you have very elegant, you know, you were talking about heavy frames and gilded. Yeah. You know, there's so many different styles. So just giving people a, a place to just be that. And the Facebook group is, the group is really, really amazing. We, we study a designer each section, this, this session, rather, we are taking a look at different kinds of collections, different kinds of collectors, not collections, but the, the different kinds of collectors. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're using uh, British designer, Robert Keim for inspiration. So he has a great look. He's the, worked with Prince Charles. He has beautiful uh, homes that he's done. And his concept is to always start with a rug Hmm. build your design from there. So we're doing these challenges. People are showing their Robert Keim inspired fireplaces, their Robert Keim inspired bookcases. It's just the group is more than I expected it to be. Yeah, I bet. I, I wanted it's to give so everyone nice. a little playground and it's really just exploded. Well, there's nothing an antiquer likes most than sharing a good find. And you just kind of, when you get a good find, you want to like run through the neighborhood, like, guess how much I paid for this? Right, right. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And um, I, yeah, and I think it's also a style that you're not seeing really. You know, you don't turn on HGTV and no. see this. So no, it, you've got... We, you know, we've been oversaturated with the trendy white farmhouse. Right. Or the mid-century is, modern, which as I mentioned yeah, earlier. Is, they're mm-hmm. both beautiful in their mm-hmm. own way, but the rest of us are over here kind of like, yeah, but I like clutter. Yeah. <laughs> I like Italian. Yeah. I like French. What do I, right. what do I do? Yeah. Where's my TV you show? Shut you shut know, up. Where, That's where what you I do. do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You paint it white. You know? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, you're finding a void mm-hmm. and filling it, filling it very well. And I, I, I do want to leave everyone with this idea, which is we've probably used the word inspiration like 50 times in this conversation. And I think it's really important to remember that we all need it mm. and that you need this, you need someone else to kind of remind you. Like, for instance, like you reminded me how much I love the old world look. I was like, oh, right. I love that. Where am I? Why did I leave it? Mm-hmm. And how can I incorporate it? It was you basically, you re, you inspired me, you reignited something. And we all need that in different ways, whether it's inspiring somebody to become a better cook or inspiring somebody to get their health in order. You know, everybody needs that. You can't just sit in a vacuum and expect through this grind of living to always have your fire burning. You need, you need to keep, right. You need to keep finding ways to do that. So I will link of course, to the old world design society. And I definitely encourage, of course, I definitely encourage all of you to check it out. And I will link to all of Angelo's videos. Did I say Angelo or Angelo? (laughs) Did I tell you my son's name is Angelo? No. Yes. My son, that's why Angelo would easily come out of my mouth. That would come easily. (laughs) But I will link to Angela's videos as well as Homemaker Chic podcast, which is not a stretch to say probably right now is my fave. Oh, great. Yeah. It's probably the only podcast that I'm like, ooh, new episode. Sweet. And I put in like my headphones, take the baby for my run in the morning. And then I come back inspired. Excellent. <laughs> so you probably cringe at our Italian. 
<laughs> when we read our wine labels, it's be very entertaining. We sort of do it on purpose. I think you do. Funny. Yeah. And that's why I laugh and I don't write you letters and say, you know, you're mispronouncing that word, right. <laughs> which I imagine people do. I have to say you, you have a little bit of a, a better command of it. Cause you study French. Shay, I love her. But yeah, when she does the Italian words, I'm like, oh, it's Shay, awesome. <laughs> it's and then awesome. sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes she just says them with a big Giuseppe from Brooklyn accent, right, like, right, like just right. saying English words with an, an exaggerated Italian accent will like fool us all. It's great. Right. But that's part of her charm. <laughs> but uh, by the way, dry farms, I actually... I've been getting dry farms for about a year before I, I started listening to you guys. And that was actually one of the things was like, these people are interesting. This is, oh, yeah. I love dry farms. Um, it's the best wine subscription ever. I love it. Ever. Such, yeah. such, I like you guys, I can't go out and drink wine anymore. No, it just totally changes your palate. You're like, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> what was I doing? Well, and, and I think you guys have talked about this. I like stopped drinking white wine, period. Cause I was like, this is gross and it's too much sugar. Yeah. And now I love white wine. Mm-hmm. Nice and crisp. It's the best. Yeah. On that note, Angela, thank you so much for your time and for being here. This thank was such you. a treat. Okay, thank you so much for joining Angela and I and being a part of this conversation. Again, just some quick reminders. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please visit Apple Podcasts and do so. It really helps to give the show a boost visually. Share with friends and on social. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. And again, my newsletter you can join that at bellafigurapodcast.com. Please DM me or email me at Dolores at bellafigurapodcast.com with your thoughts and any show ideas you'd like me to pursue. I love hearing from you guys. It gives me energy to keep this going. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power. 